2: This is Global News Hour at 6.
3: Good evening and thanks for joining us. The investigation into yesterday's train derailment near the town of Field that killed three crew members has taken a sobering turn.
4: The Transportation Safety Board says the train began moving on its own before it eventually left the tracks, and it raises questions about the use of the train's brakes. Sarah McDonald reports.
5: The damage was catastrophic, the casualties irreplaceable. Three crew members killed on board a CP rail train that ran off the tracks near the B.C.-Alberta border Monday.
6: Preliminary indications are that a loss of control of the train occurred.
5: Now investigators are providing new insight into exactly how that loss of control might have happened. (laughs) On a notoriously treacherous stretch of tracks, with those three employees on board. Conductor Dylan Parody, engineer Andrew Dockrell, and conductor-in-training Daniel Waldenberger-Balmer, who lived on Vancouver Island until late last year. Officials revealing Tuesday the train was sitting stationary during a crew changeover, until suddenly it wasn't.
6: When the train began to move on its own, there were no handbrakes applied on the train. The train accident accelerated to a speed well in excess of the maximum track speed of 20 miles an hour for the tight curves and steep mountain grade, and the train derailed.
5: The train, which was carrying grain and grain products, had three locomotives and more than 100 cars. It was bound for Vancouver when it derailed some 700 kilometers northeast. By the time it did, it was barreling out of control, traveling more than twice the speed limit. All but 13 cars and one locomotive, plunging dozens of meters in a rail tragedy with parallels to one of the worst in Canadian history. Brake failure, a key factor in the catastrophic lac Megantic derailment of 2013. The catalyst for new operating guidelines nationwide mandating hand brakes as well as air brakes, but only while a train is unoccupied. That was not the case here. Investigators stressing the three deceased are not at fault, considering weather conditions as a possible contributing factor.
2: When it's an emergency, there's no air in the train line, so there was nothing for the locomotive engineer to do.
5: Now all eyes and ears are on data recorders for answers. Each engine equipped with the devices, but only one recovered so far. From that, lone locomotive spared this fatal fall. Sarah McDonald, Global News.
4: A frightening incident in Surrey, where a 12-year-old boy is recovering from injuries after being shot multiple times by a pellet or BB gun. The young boy, whose family doesn't want him identified, was tobogganing at Hillcrest Park in Cloverdale on Sunday afternoon when he was hit. Luckily, the injuries to his face and neck were minor, but he was also hit in the eye, and it could have been much worse. He was able to get back home, and police were called.
7: As I was going down, I feel this burning pain in my neck. I turn around and then I get hit in the eye. And then I just start booking it because I'm getting shot at. And then I just keep running and I'm like fearing everything right now is dark. I'm scared out of my mind. And yeah, and then I was getting hit all over the place. At least I have my mom's like sun visor to use as, like, a shield thing. As
6: it is right now, he actually can't see out of the eye. Um, Everything seems to be functioning, so it should be fine. But, yes, this could have been much worse um, if they'd happened to hit a softer spot um, or if they hit him in a different place on his body. As it was, he was hit approximately, I think, like, 16 times.
4: Surrey RCMP are still looking for two males who may also be youths, deliberately fired the shots, they believe, one suspect was wearing a black jacket, black toque, and a camouflage face mask. The second suspect was wearing grey pants and a black hat. Both suspects were allegedly carrying assault-style looking pellet rifles.
3: Vancouver has registered its second pedestrian fatality of 2019. A woman believed to be in her 70s was crossing the street this morning at East Hastings and Commercial when she was struck and killed by a pickup truck. Police say it appears she was hit as the truck turned a corner. The driver remained on scene and is, co- is cooperating with investigators.
4: The city of New Westminster is taking some bold action against the controversial practice of rent evictions with a new bylaw that would punish landlords who evict tenants and then raise rents after renovations. As Tanya Beja reports, while some are hailing the decision, others are warning it could backfire and actually lead to fewer rental units.
8: Facing the
1: threat of eviction, New Westminster tenants take their plea to City Hall. My rent is low because I moved in six years ago, and the new owner recognizes that he can get more rent, so he's kicking people out. It's exactly the kind of move City Council wants to stop, unanimously passing a bylaw aimed at curbing so-called rent evictions. It's almost on a monthly basis we're hearing about a new building facing facing evictions where the city felt it had to take action right now. The city says tenants of 315 units have been forced out while landlords claim the need to renovate. Now the city says building owners will have to prove their case and provide temporary housing when evictions are necessary. The bylaw also bans rent increases when tenants return. We're very happy that uh, city council is doing this, and we want to support them here. Any violation could net fines of up to a thousand dollars. The change comes as the province also adopts stronger protection for renters. But landlords say New Westminster's bylaw could have unintended consequences, curbing much-needed rental
8: construction. The developers of rental are, are frankly gun shy. We're seeing uh, more and more measures taken to really uh, discourage investment in the existing rental stock. And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about, well, do I build more?
1: We also want to create a, a tax incentive program
8: that really
1: actually provides an incentive for, for landlords and, and building owners to be able to do maintenance, proper maintenance on their buildings, but do it in a way that doesn't evict tenants. The new rules against rent evictions are now the toughest in the region. I think it's a fantastic decision, and I'm really proud of them
4: for doing that. I wish that all municipalities had the balls to do the same thing.
3: Tanya Beja, Global News. The Vancouver Art Gallery is behind picket lines tonight. More than 200 Art Gallery employees walking off the job after negotiations failed to reach a deal. The union claims the employer is forcing a vote on a rejected proposal. But the Art Gallery says its offer is fair and reasonable. Among the main issues are wages, sick leave and changes to scheduling policies. The gallery says it is open with some services and programs operating on a limited basis.
4: You don't have to understand the concept of cryptocurrency to understand this. $250 million in investors' money is missing. That's the amount of cryptocurrency a Vancouver-based exchange appears to have lost after its co-founder and CEO died suddenly. Aaron MacArthur explains. This is, at least was, the
2: face of a company called Quadrica CX. The cryptocurrency exchange had in the neighborhood of $250 million under management. When the 30-year-old died suddenly last month, more than 100,000 people found their money appeared to have
7: vanished. To the best of my knowledge, this is the first time that an exchange owner's passing has resulted in you know, millions of dollars being frozen in cryptocurrency.
2: Quadrica has had serious problems for months leading up to Cotton's death. CIBC froze millions in assets that were supposed to be transferred using the exchange. And the Better Business Bureau red flagged the company after numerous complaints surfaced
7: about customers
2: not being able to get their money out.
7: In one instance, we saw where there was a personal account that was being associated with the transactions. And for us, that is extremely concerning because that's outside of the normal standard as of how cryptocurrency transactions should be operating.
2: One of the addresses listed for Quadrica CX is actually here on Commercial Drive it's nothing more than a ups post drop the other address is an office space in this gas town building long abandoned the whole situation according to tech experts an example of the unregulated nature of cryptocurrency
1: because they're so new we um you know those kinds of exchanges don't really have like clear practices in place there's no real clear model for how to do this so i think it's kind of indicative of of where the
2: industry at quadrica has applied to the courts for creditor protection The laptop Cotton used to run his business is now in the hands of a private investigator and will be turned over to forensic experts. Recovering the key to the fortune could be extremely challenging, and experts are skeptical people will ever see a fraction of what they're owed. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
3: Well, the specter of Western alienation is rearing its ugly head again tonight with the release of a new opinion poll. The Angus Reid survey found that a hypothetical Western Canada party might get a lot of votes in B.C., Alberta and Saskatchewan. Our Keith Baldry is in Victoria with a closer look at the numbers. And we've seen this movie before, Keith. Uh, shadows of the Reform Party here. What's this all about? Do... I think we have some technical issues uh, with Keith over in Victoria. So we will go to him momentarily. Yes, we will go to him in a moment. Uh, Moving on. Moving on then, a major new development tonight in the government spending scandal that sparked the suspension of the two top officials at the B.C. Legislature. As Richard Zussman reports, three of the province's government watchdogs have laid out a blueprint for making government more open and accountable to taxpayers.
9: They want changes, and they want them fast. Three of the province's top watchdogs joining forces in an attempt to clean up accountability at the B.C. Legislature.
8: Now is obviously an opportune time given uh, things are in the public spotlight as they are, uh, our view is that there's no reason why uh, freedom of information legislation, which applies to more than 2,900 public bodies in the province, ought not to apply uh, to members and officers of the Legislative Assembly.
9: The province's Merit Commissioner, Privacy yes. Commissioner, and an omnibus person important. sending this letter to the Speaker. The recommendations include a potential audit of legislature staffing appointments, making expenses by the Clerk and Sergeant at Arms accessible by freedom of information and a change to allow staff to come forward with allegations of wrongdoing inside the legislature.
10: In doing so, uh, that, that uh, person is protected from any reprisal for doing so and, uh, and an investigation of that allegation Uh, may take place. The
9: recommendations come as Clerk Craig James and Sergeant at Arms Gary Lenz continue to prepare their statement of defence, which is due this week to the Legislative Assembly Management Committee. The pair are responding to allegations in the PLECAS report that include inappropriate expense claims and claims that 16 staff were dismissed from the legislature for raising concerns. James himself said there were no problems with accountability in the legislature.
10: I have established processes in the Legislative Assembly that are essentially bulletproof.
9: The government disagrees that the policies put forward in the clerk's office are bulletproof. That's one of the reasons why they're putting in place all of the recommendations put forward by the watchdogs. What I want
4: to do is that uh, see that uh, we work with them uh, as quickly as possible and get things done uh, as soon as possible.
9: And with the legislature returning next week, soon could be a matter of days away. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
3: All right, we've sorted things out in Victoria, speaking of. Uh, Keith Baldry joining us now. Uh, we're talking about Western alienation, Keith. A new poll by Angus Reid showing mm-hmm. uh, kind of a familiar song and dance, particularly when it comes to to Alberta and Saskatchewan.
10: Yeah, you know, Western alienation used to be a hot button topic years ago. Uh, Sophie, what Angus Reid did was uh, dust off a poll they took back in 1991 and redo it this time on an online survey of more than 4,000 people to see if our attitudes have changed, and they have, particularly in the Prairie provinces. And I think you can attribute this to pipeline politics. First of all, here's the case in BC: Western alienation, Western anger at Ottawa, is on the rise by a modest amount. 63 percent—that's up six points from 1991. But when you get to Alberta, things become radically different. That's it now at 86%. That's up a whopping 23 points from 1991. Uh, There's a lot of anger in Alberta right now aimed at Ottawa, and there's a lot of anger in Saskatchewan as well. 81% think there's increasing anger towards Ottawa. That's an increase of 18 points from 1991. Pollster Shachi Curl says this shows that uh, federal politicians cannot take prairie voters for, for granted here, and particularly in British Columbia as well. Not all the voters at play here that should be in terms of getting attention exists in Ontario and Quebec. The prairies in BC count as well.
7: If you're a
1: federal party leader on the hustings this fall or over the summer trying to make the case to Western Canadians, I think this is a sit up and take notice moment that uh, the idea that, well, we'll just rely on uh, Ontario and Quebec to sort of get through and get enough votes in order to form government is probably not the right way to go.
10: Now, if there is a tight election this fall and every seat is precious, the handful of seats the Liberals have in Alberta and Saskatchewan could could become pivotal to determining whether they continue on in government. Now, Quebec and Ontario still have the lion's share of the seats, so we'll see. One final takeaway from this, Sophie, in terms of separatism, there's not a a feeling that that's going to happen anytime soon. People in Alberta seem to be split 50-50 on whether it could happen, but the rest of the the Western provinces say no to separatism.
3: All right. Thanks for that, Keith Baldry and Victoria.
10: Right now, though, when it comes to going green, our province
4: is leading the charge to cut and compost solid waste. But despite a good effort, a
3: new report reveals B.C. is not on track to hit its reduction and recycling targets. Katherine Urquhart reports.
10: There's still a lot of people that want to recycle, and we... And teach them as best as we can.
6: Thomas Rogan supervises Metro Vancouver's transfer station in Langley. From what he sees, we're getting better at being less wasteful.
10: People are learning. Um, it takes time, it's not going to happen overnight.
6: In fact, a New Van City report shows we're some of the best recyclers. In the country,
0: B.C. is actually
8: doing pretty good uh, compared to the national average. We're second only to Nova Scotia,
6: but we're far from perfect. In Metro Vancouver, 1,400 kilograms of total waste per person is generated in one year—the equivalent weight of a mid-size automobile—and in Metro Vancouver, 20,000 tons of clothing are disposed of annually, two percent of the region's garbage. Perhaps most troubling, how much food we waste. Uh,
0: Roughly a third of all the food that's produced does not get eaten. And that's, That's it's a huge amount. In fact, it represents about $30 billion a year.
6: Construction debris is a large proportion of the solid waste in Metro Vancouver.
0: Renovation produces less waste than demolition. So if there's, if you have a choice, uh, please look at renovation.
6: Most of us are trying to do our part, like Ashley, who is unloading
4: some cardboard. I'm happy to be able to do it, you know, put it here instead of on the street or something.
6: All of us being urged yet again to reduce, reuse and recycle in an effort to tackle the so-called war on waste. Kaffner Cart, Global News.
4: Well, it probably won't come as a surprise that this cold snap is leading to increased hydro use, but we could set a record. Hydro says consumption jumped by 13 percent on Sunday and Monday compared with the same days last week. It's forecasting peak hourly demands that could reach 10,000 megawatts and beyond. Hydro's highest ever usage was January 3, 2017, when the overnight low dipped to minus seven and consumption reached 10,194 megawatts.
3: Cold weather, not the only challenge in the Thompson-Okanagan. The B.C. region is dealing with its lowest unemployment rate since the summer of 2015. As Global's Megan Tercato reports, that means businesses are struggling to find enough staff. We currently have approximately 50 vacancies and hoping to get a lot of these positions filled so that uh, our current employees who are working all the overtime uh, don't need to be working overtime anymore.
7: Natural Factors is a growing Kelowna nutraceutical company, and the manufacturer is having trouble finding staff to keep up with that growth. They're not alone. The bulletin boards at this Vernon Job Centre are filled with notices from employers looking for staff, and some.
9: They're fairly desperate to find workers, and you know, they're, they're looking around our resource centre and asking if anybody could start with them right then and there.
7: The latest data from Statistics Canada for the region had the unemployment rate at just 4.7% in December. That's the lowest it's been since the summer of 2015.
9: We're hearing from restaurants that have to adjust their hours. They're closing early. They can't find dishwashers, servers, cooks.
7: At the job centre, they're finding both skilled and unskilled staff are in demand.
9: There's just not enough people to do the work here. And then you throw in some other factors like affordable housing being so scarce.
7: But despite the low unemployment rate, for those looking for work, the search isn't always easy.
10: Hospitality, it's tough to get uh, a wage that is livable.
7: Back at Natural Factors, the expanding business is hoping to fill dozens of empty positions with a job fair this Friday and Saturday. While it's normally job hunters who must promote themselves, these days employers are putting their best face forward as they compete for the available labour pool. Megan Tercano, Global News.
3: A federal court has ruled B.C. farmed salmon must be tested for a deadly virus that has the potential to infect wild Chinook salmon.
4: It's the result of a lawsuit launched because of a failure by the fisheries ministry to protect wild fish from a contagious virus often found in fish farms. Linda Ailsworth has more on the decision and reaction.
11: The majority of salmon farms off the B.C. coast are infected with the piscine orthoreovirus, a fact the industry admits to. It can cause heart and muscle inflammation in farmed Atlantic salmon, but it affects wild Pacific salmon even more severely. DFO's own researcher, Dr. Christy Miller and Emiliano De Sico from Pacific Salmon Foundation, found that when the virus gets into Chinook salmon cells, it causes them to explode, which is toxic to the liver and kidneys. The virus gets into the ocean when young infected fish are transferred from hatcheries to open net fish farms. There's a law in place that's supposed to keep this from happening. You can't put a fish that's infected with a disease agent into the water if it appears to be a threat to wild salmon. And yet, according to a recent federal court ruling, the ministry responsible for protecting our wild salmon has not been screening farm salmon for the virus before they're transferred to ocean
1: pens. In our opinion, this is a rebuke of the minister's recklessness with managing fisheries in BC and across Canada.
11: The response by the Minister of Fisheries and Oceans? The Government of Canada understands that a strong science-based approach to regulating the aquaculture industry is essential, and that is why we have and will continue to conduct extensive research. The Minister of Fisheries is saying they're going to do more research, but I would suggest that he follow the law while he's doing the research, and that means screening for piscineal virus. This is the second time the ministry has been taken to court by Eco Justice and Alexandra Morton and lost over not testing for infectious viruses. I'm very concerned that the Minister of Fisheries once again is going to ignore the court uh, and is going to refuse to screen for this virus. The ministry has four months to comply or appeal the decision. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
4: One side, come, so oh, open that oh one. My oh my
5: goodness. Hold.
4: Oh some tense moments there and a rare thrill for tourists on a winter wildlife tour in yellowstone park when a bison thundered past them the guide spotted the animal and pulled over just in time to avoid a potential problem pretty impressive
7: Mm -hmm.
4: all right donald trump is laying out what's going on in america right now
3: madam speaker the president of the united United States. states president delivering his second state of the union address from the white house for the first time trump is speaking to a divided congress as both sides remain at odds over border wall funding with just 10 days for lawmakers to strike a deal before another government shutdown trump says there is a new opportunity in american politics if there is the courage to seize it together
8: millions of our fellow citizens are watching us now gathered in this great chamber hoping that we will govern not as two
4: parties, but as one nation. A Toronto serial killer remains silent as his sentencing hearing wrapped up today. Bruce MacArthur will learn his fate on Friday after pleading guilty to eight counts of first-degree murder. The Crown is asking for two life sentences, meaning he would not be eligible for parole until he's 116 year, or 116 years old, and therefore sparing his victim families from having to attend a parole hearing. They came from as far as Sri Lanka to see Justice served, telling the court the convicted serial killer preyed on the most vulnerable, including a refugee and a homeless man. The Crown says there's no explanation for the monstrous crimes, other than MacArthur felt gratified by his killings.
3: In Health Matters Tonight, patients are about to get better access to an effective treatment for Parkinson's disease.
4: 13,000 British Columbians live with Parkinson's, but many of them no longer respond to medication. Well, starting in April, the province will make it easier to get deep brain stimulation to help ease the symptoms. Grace Key reports.
6: I, I have uh,
0: been blessed with a with a, uh, a friend that has um, given me a reason to... Go on.
12: Robert Wallace's friend Brian built him this greenhouse in Kelowna, allowing him to get back to his passion for gardening. It was a living for 30 years, but that changed 10 years ago when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. It
8: started out relatively uh,
0: mild, the Parkinson's disease. Uh, In the last couple of years, uh, things have really sped up.
12: Robert's symptoms can no longer be controlled with medication. He's now a candidate for deep brain stimulation surgery. It uses electrical impulses to stimulate a target area in the brain, resulting in fewer tremors and improved facial expression. But there's only one qualified neurosurgeon in the province for the 70 patients currently on the wait list for primary DBS insertions.
10: These are solutions that were not available to people a generation ago.
12: Starting in April, a provincial program at UBC is expanding and it includes increasing operating room time and recruiting an additional neurosurgeon with experience in primary insertions an operation that takes 8 hours wait times for new patients would shorten from 72 to 12 weeks
10: these steps will mean that 72 primary insertions will now be performed annually that's a more than 100% increase there will be some patients who will be able to return to work There will be others who will gain a level of independence that will allow their spouses to return to work.
12: It's a procedure that can't come soon enough for Robert.
7: It would be the best gift I could receive.
12: Grace Key, Global News.
4: Counting down to the Variety Show of Hearts weekend, about 25% of all grants provided by Variety go to children who desperately need speech and language therapy. Children like 4-year-old Patrick.
13: Remember this one, Patrick, and look at mommy, tongue up.
3: Patrick knows the sounds letters make, but he struggles to make them himself. He was born with a rare disorder that involves the incomplete development of the ear, mouth, and jaw, and that affects his speech and hearing. So Variety provides Patrick with weekly speech and language sessions, and his progress has been remarkable.
13: Oh, I love his teddy bear. So cute. Yep, yeah, come and sit down. So we've seen Patrick now for three months of therapy. We've already seen fantastic progression in the short time that we've seen him. Up. Uh. He knows that when he gets stuck with his speech, he has other ways to communicate. He'll quickly go to sign language, and now we've opened up another avenue for him by using technology. Yellow. Oh, yellow. And he picked this up incredibly quickly. Um, It tells us that he has a great degree of intelligence, and he will probably move forward fairly quickly with that app as well.
3: Coming up on Sunday, you can get an update on Patrick and hear all his new words, including his favorite word, his mom's name.
0: Aww.
3: Isn't that appropriate? Mm-hmm. So nice. Join us for the 53rd annual Variety Show of Hearts this Sunday from 9.30 in the morning until 5.30 right here on Global.
4: Looking forward to it.
3: A bank heist in Belgium straight out of the movies. Why the thieves might be easy to sniff out after the forecast.
4: Yeah, just ahead of Christy, a look at Lunar New Year celebrations now in full swing.
3: Millions across China tuned into the country's spring festival gala on Monday night, counting down to the year of the pig. Some of China's biggest cities put on illuminating light shows as well. The pig is a a lunar zodiac sign usually associated with optimism, enthusiasm,
4: and hard work. All very good qualities. (laughs) And we're wearing red. We're wearing red to celebrate. Doing it our best.
3: But I'm having pasta for dinner, so anyway.
4: Yeah, strange choice, (laughs) but that's okay. Uh, let's check in with Christy right now and look at the weather forecast. Hi, Christy. Hi,
13: record-breaking cold this morning. You may have felt it, you guys. Vancouver Harbor dropping down to minus 4, breaking a record from 1958. Now, the other records, and many of them are across the province, are not long-standing records. These are areas that we only have rec- uh, reports back to 1990. But still, in the last 30 years, uh, the-, the coldest that we saw in West Vancouver, minus 7, Salmon Arm, minus minus. 21, and Princeton all the way down to minus 28 and the wind chills are incredible although today the winds weren't as strong in the Fraser Valley 30 to 50 kilometers an hour and just 60 and through the house sound region that means that although today was one of the coldest days we felt uh, it didn't feel worse than what it actually was. The wind chills dropped it down to about minus 13 to 15. And during the day, we warmed up a little bit more than expected. Uh, Zeros to two degrees across the lower mainland. Coquitlam behind at minus one. But it was beautiful. And when it's beautiful out with clear skies, yes, all the photographers get out there. Look at this shot from Trish Jewison this morning during the morning show. Uh, The lions and the blue sky. This clear shot from the Fraser valley not a single cloud in the sky cold and sunny and through penticton also the same through williams lake great shots thanks to everyone for that And uh, this Lakelle, which is up near Terrace, thanks to Doug McLeod for that one and a bunch of kids getting out and enjoying winter. Thanks to Caitlin, Becca and Tori from Stewart for that. So, yes, a great day. It is nice that we're seeing the sunshine. It is certainly cold, though. These are our wind chills for overnight tonight. Minus 30 to minus 40 in through the northeastern sections of the province, far eastern sections. And then down through the south, minus 15 to minus 25. South coast regions anywhere from minus 10 to minus 17. These are your daytime highs. We will see some snow across the north coast, but otherwise cold and clear for one more day. And then we'll start to see a change on Thursday with a little bit more cloud. And yes, we have a slight chance of a few flurries on Thursday. More so, it's Friday that we're watching for a snow event. And it's going to stay cold for a number of days as far as we can see, potentially into next Wednesday. And I'll leave you with this shot from Cypress Provincial Park. Thanks to Robert for that. That's looking out over Howe Sound. You can see Bowen Island, and I think that's uh, Keats Island. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Just uh, on the right-hand side of Bowen Island there. Great shot. It's
4: any uh, inexperienced hikers in that photo? Oh, I have not. Nope. Not seeing any right now. That's look good. Look at
3: it from a distance. <laughs> All right, police in Belgium are hunting for suspects after a bank robbery worthy of a Hollywood movie.
4: Authorities say the robbers entered the sewage system in Antwerp and dug a tunnel straight into a bank vault. They say the thieves would have had to squeeze through sewage pipes as narrow as 40 centimeters. That's about 15 inches wide. When police arrived, they found a hole in the floor of the vault and about 30 empty safe deposit boxes. They're not saying exactly how much was stolen.
3: Ew!
13: So pipes like this? I like that. Can you imagine? You don't want to be claustrophobic. No, <gasps>
3: a claustrophobic
4: criminal. It'll, that's about Squire's size. He could walk down there. Oh, yeah. I don't, smell <laughs> the <sewage laughs>
0: I don't think so, kidding. buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Isn't that how they got
0: out in uh, Shawshank Redemption?
4: That's right, right oh, through yeah. the sewage
0: tunnels. You want nail? Cool. Yes.
4: <laughs> Sophie's threatening to wear her Starfleet <laughs> uniform. <laughs> Do you have
0: one of those?
3: Um, No, but I used to have like a Bajoran ear cuff. You don't know what that is, Star Trek fans. Will Star know. Trek
4: fans. <laughs> and the reason is George Takei is going to be on yes. the Variety Show of Hearts he will telethon be. on Sunday yes, with he us. he will be.
3: I want to get it. No, I want
4: to get it. You know, yeah. just for that. Be cool if we could have got Shatner here too. That would have been something. Be
0: something. Uh, the uh, days of having a fully healthy team didn't last all that long for the Vancouver Canucks. Yesterday, they lost three guys. Sven Berici to an unknown illness. Backup goalie Thatcher Demko tweaked his knee in warm-up before the game in Philadelphia. And, of course, Alex Edler, who had that nasty fall in his face. He cut himself open, but luckily didn't break any bones. He does have a concussion, so at the moment he is considered out for a week for sure. But when it comes to concussions, nobody really knows how long someone's going to be out for. The one thing about Edler, through no fault of his own, he has inherited, and I know we've said this before, the bad injury luck that Sammy Sallow used to have in Vancouver. In fact, ironically, Edler's first ever game for the Vancouver Canucks in 2006 was because Sammy Salo was injured. Tonight, the Canucks were in Washington. Michael DiPietro, emergency backup. Remember him at the World Juniors in Vancouver, playing great for Canada. He'll be a Canuck one day, a regular. All right. Trouble for Tanev, loses the puck, Ovechkin has it, and it's gonna end up being a goal for TJ Oshie. So that gives the Capitals a one-nothing lead. Capitals dominated the first period, but only got the one goal. In the first, they honored former Capital Jay Beagle, who of course was with them last year when they won the Stanley Cup. There's Ovechkin giving him the hug. When Washington was in Vancouver, they gave him his ring. For winning the Stanley Cup. First period chance for the Canucks, Antoine Roussel, no. Brayden Holpe, nice glove save. Other end, Lars Eller, as we said the Capitals were the better team in the first 20 minutes, with a move and a shot, but Markstrom, second game of two nights, makes a save. Second period, the Canucks dominated. Chance for Tyler Mott, saved by Holtby. Puck doesn't leave the zone. They'll get another chance, Beagle against his old team. No, Holtby another save. And if that's not enough from Holtby, how about a penalty shot for Bo Horvat To tie the game, but Holtby again. They could not find a way to get by number 70 in the second period. To the third we go. It's Brett Connolly going to the net. Finding the puck and scoring. 2-0 for Washington at this point. But I'll hand it to the Canucks. They didn't give up on this one. Antoine Roussel. Down the right side. Marcus Granlund's going to the net. That's what you got to do. And that makes it 2-1.
2: Then
0: bad luck. Puck takes a weird bounce the air, off the net, the, of the net, off Markstrom, oh, 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 oh. and in. It's Kusnetsov It looked like it might be Kuznetsov's goal, who was in front of the net, it but it was a, actually Jacob well, Varanek. Kuznetsov never got a stick on, on it. So that made it 3-1. to one. Canucks pulled the goalie. All they got out of it was a very late goal by Elias Patterson. So it's number 40 gets one, but... That's the way it ends. 3-2 Washington beats the Canucks who are in win Chicago win. on Thursday. Four, four Aden, Anaheim, who's just been awful stars, the last couple of to to months in Montreal to take on the Habs. Brendan Gallagher Scott. scores. And, the turnover, Gallagher. and then Jesperi Kotkaniemi will get one two. That makes it two nothing. Last check, it's four one in the third period. The Toronto Maple Leafs are making sure Austin Matthews is around a while. He signed a five-year contract today. It'll start paying him next year an average of $11.6 million. He will be a free agent when the contract ends in 2024. He is the second $11 million man of the Maple Leafs. The other is John Tavares, and Matthews is glad to get the money, of course, and stay in Toronto.
9: I don't think there's anything like playing in the city. Uh, just, you know, from our, from our fans... Um You know, the support we get uh, day in, day out, walking around the street, getting recognized. I mean, that's not something I ever really imagined when I was a kid uh, growing up in Arizona to play in a market like this. So uh, it's it's definitely something uh, uh, I don't take for granted. Sophie is right. He does look like a well groomed Jack White.
0: Uh, City of Boston, City of Champions. 12th championship parade this century. Yes, yes. New England Patriots have six of them. Brady. Belichick, Robert Kraft, the owner. There's uh, Julian Edelman. If you're wondering, they're 8-1 to one to win the Super Bowl next year, the favorites, <laughs> the Chiefs at 6-1. to one. There you go. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Thanks,
4: Square.
13: Here's your snow report for today. Cold and clear right across the province with no new snow. Along the coastal regions, temperatures are at minus 10 to minus 15 degrees. Very cold for this time of year. Meanwhile, further inland areas like Manning Park this morning at minus 22. And keep in mind, that's without the wind chill. At least there's tons of sunshine for all mountains across the province. Big White, Silver Star and Sun Peaks. Beautiful blue sky today. Kicking Horse at minus 18 and Powder King minus minus. 24, with the wind chill closer to minus 30.
4: Right around sundown, there's a freaky phenomenon. It is freaky. In Burnaby. The river of crows, as we like to call it.
0: Yeah, or, uh, well, I won't give it away what the the good doctor tells us what he calls it. But uh, yeah, if you live around Burnaby, sort of like Boundary Road area, every, doesn't matter if it's summer, winter, spring, fall, the crows are always coming. They have like a big meeting they have some sort of big union meeting (laughs) at the end of the day to tell each other where all the good worms were (laughs) so we thought we'd investigate this here we go counting every night just before sundown they come at first it's a trickle and then it's a murder of crows around 12,000 who will spend every night near the border of Burnaby and Vancouver Do we know why they come here? We don't exactly know, but we think it's
8: something to do with safety, that out in the hinterlands, you know, where they hang out, there's uh, owls and hawks and so on. Here, there are none. And also at night, there's a lot of lights here, so it's all lit up, so any kind of predator, they can see it, and they can chase it out. This is the spot for all of Vancouver, all of North Surrey, Richmond, North Richmond, North Vancouver, even as far out as Port Moody and parts of of Coquitlam. But there are other roosts in the valley. There's some out in Langley, and there's some down in White Rock and so on.
0: Experts say the crows have been coming to the Still Creek area of Burnaby since 1974, and they stayed despite all the development.
8: A lot of crows are
0: found around people. If you go about
8: five or 10 kilometers away from people, you don't find crows. I mean, crows like to be around people.
0: Okay, but is the feeling mutual? Variety's head office is right in the middle of crow country, which means plenty of window washing and plenty of car washing. So that's part of my Saturday. That's
2: part of my Saturday. I'm always at the car wash, lining up, getting my car washed. But yeah, it's pretty brutal. It gets worse. By Friday, your car is covered
0: in bird crap. But there's not much you can do about that. There are too many birds to dislodge, and they're too clever to fall for some stupid human trick to get rid of them.
8: Crows are very intelligent. In fact, they uh, have been described as being feathered apes. They're as clever as some of the primates. If you look at the size of the brain for their body size, they have a very large brain and they're very social. So, you know, they recognize you. If you do something to them, they'll remember that. And they also recognize each other.
0: And they certainly recognize
8: the place they spend every night of their life. This is crow country. It's where the celebration takes place every night. What did you call it? It's a caucus, a caucus of crows.
0: Belt, C-A-W-C-U-S. Of course.
5: Caucus.
4: Get it? Cool. Yeah. Kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. Well, maybe we'll see them on the way home. You never know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They'll they'll be sleeping there. They will (laughs) now. Thanks for watching. Have a good night.
3: Good night, all.